Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? I am doing fantastic. So today, we are kicking off a series that I'm psyched about. I don't know really how we're going to release the series. We haven't completely narrowed that down yet. (laughs) But we're doing a country cooking series. Yeah. And it kicks off today with a guitar legend, a country vocal legend, a songwriting legend. Yes, preach. A bass player legend. Yes. More on that story later in the interview. Rob, tell him who we're speaking with today and what song we are covering that he made famous that we are ironically recording on a Friday. That's right. So I got, I actually got confused. I got tripped up in my words when we were doing our intro because I say we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. And I was thinking about how true that is with this song today. Absolutely. This song is incredible, and I cannot wait to talk about it. This is The Weeknd. You got me, buddy. Hey, now. That's why you didn't say the artist, you <laughs> silly joker. Oh, uh, I thought, I really thought it started with the, there it is. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Just kidding, everyone. That's, that's Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Um, yeah. No, this is. No, play the one that we're excited to talk about. What we're talking about today about. is The Weeknd by Steve Warner. Yes. Different vibe. <laughs> Couple of days isn't a very long time. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Why can't I just walk away? <laughs> I used to be good at goodbye. Out on the water Under the stars I let the moonlight play a trick on my heart You had some fun for the weekend I'll be in love for the rest of my life You took me out to Dang it. How did we get there? What? I can't wait to hear Rob talk about it. What a heck of a song. What a absolute heck of a chorus and two key changes in the chorus. <laughs> Gotta love that. Oh, man. Uh, this song is dope on so many levels. Instrumentally gorgeous uh, like piano and keys and some tasteful guitar throughout. Yeah. This is my kind of piano part on a country song. Uh, It's like, you know what I mean? 
using my favorite kind of like cord extensions and stuff like that. I just absolutely. And we didn't even tell you guys, but we are hanging out with Steve Warner at the end. Yeah, we are. So please come around and hang around. Steve with Actual Warner is That's on right. the Great Actual Song Podcast. Man, and he's a whole bunch of fun, guys. Yeah. He is a blast. He's Y'all are going to like him a lot. Uh, so that is The Weekend by Steve Warner, not to be confused with The Weekend with no E, yeah, yeah. musical artist yeah. uh, from the 2010s and, I mean, present day, whatever. But uh, that is from the 1987 album, It's a Crazy World. It went to number one uh, on the Hot Country Songs U.S. Billboard chart and number one on the Canadian Country Tracks chart as well. And it's just great. So the, the, the song in itself is pretty straightforward as far as the story of... of um, you know, the story within the song, mm-hmm. it's basically like we spent a weekend together and, and I used to be able to let go of these kind of things, but I met my match and now I can't get you out of my yeah. head, you know, and, and I've, I got to have you and whatever. And to you, it was just a fling, yeah. but it did something to me. It, yeah. it broke me on the inside uh-huh. and, uh, you know, you had some fun for the weekend, but I'm stuck. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm stuck with my mullet and pink shirt <laughs> sitting here on this stool. <laughs> yeah, man. This was uh, 80s country. It was like this. So this could have been easily, and I, I don't mean this in any way to imply anything uh, about about Steve Warner, but what I mean is this could have been a hit also by somebody, several people in like a soft rock genre, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. If this came out in, um, you know, nineteen like if if Air Supply could have done this yeah, in nineteen eighty one, Hall and Oates, anybody, yeah, like th- this song is so strong, mm-hmm. and we'll hear about Steve's reaction when he first heard the demo. Um, but th- th- this song is so strong that like this could have and probably should have been a hit in multiple genres. Yeah, and Steve has written a ton of bangers, which oh, we'll yeah. talk about, a ton. This is not one that he wrote, but right. he performed. So we'll, we'll give him his his due credence on stuff that he's written later. But That's this right. This is a great song that he delivers very well. Yes, and normally I, I would have said out front, this was written by Bill LeBounty and Becky Foster, husband and wife uh, songwriting duo. And uh, this was actually their first number one um, song, but I was too wrapped up in my weekend joke, and I forgot to say <laughs> that at the beginning. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, it, it, just a, a gorgeous song, very um, it, like evocative, picturesque. You get a lot of, you know, you took me out to the deep end, and I, I've, of course, when I was a kid, I was six when this song came out, and so I just thought we went swimming together. That was my yeah. basically interpretation yeah, yeah. of the lyrics. You know, oh, they they went oh, swimming, no. and uh, <laughs> you know, so still when I think about this song, I think about like you're a ca- still innocent. Yeah, I think about like a cabin in the woods. You know, and uh, we went swimming over the weekend, and it was great. We had a good time, <laughs> and uh, I made a new friend. That's right. Uh, we held hands. It was great. Yeah, yeah. it just broke me forever. Um, okay, the the elephant in the room with this song is the music theory and the chorus. Yeah, that's just the first thing that. I want to talk about when I when I hear this song um and there was a, a, a period of time where just this song fell off my mental radar you know it got you know how your I don't, well you you have an android so I don't guess your phone probably doesn't do this but my phone has this feature where as you add new stuff uh it pushes out old stuff and like offloads apps that you haven't used in a while okay to make room for the new stuff okay. you know what I mean and um and that's what my brain had done with this song, okay? Because I just hadn't heard it in so long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just one of those. It got it got just sort of doesn't get a lot of radio play. Yeah, n- now well, yeah, well, now the stations that I listen of course, to. I mean, that's, I mean, if I listen to more 
older country, maybe. The, yeah, if you listen to like now, you've got country stations that are like playing, you know, the music of your. Um, and you'll you'll still hear it on there, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that's the you know that's one of the downsides of those. You have like your Jack FM stations that are like we play anything, and it's really not true. It's they're not like, anything. They don't. No, yeah. they're like we play anything within a certain genre yeah. parameter. You yeah. know what I mean? You're not getting. You might occasionally get like a Devil Went Down to Georgia uh-huh, or yeah. something, but you're not getting Marshall Tucker Band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Country of, adjacent uh-huh. uh, stuff. Yeah, um, but you're not getting like the cl- the the country hits of uh-huh. that you grew up with you know but um anyway i digress so let's let's take a minute and listen to the chorus again okay listen intently with your ears and uh and then we're gonna walk through it i let the moonlight play a trick on my heart you had some fun for the All right, we're good here. Now we're headed for a curveball. What? Okay, so it's like it's like climbing the rope in gym class. You go, I don't know exactly what just happened, but I think I liked it. You know. <laughs> I don't fully understand what's happening to my body right in this moment, but I'm not mad about it. It was an adventure, but I got to enjoy it. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's just one of those things yeah, you're like, good. I'm going to have to investigate this more. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some work on this on my own and oh, see man, if I can get funny. this sorted out. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, that got me. Sorry, we're in the key of A flat here, um, and uh, we start off. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 telegraph this. We're going to B, and then coming back to Why A flat. <laughs> so we're going uh, a step and a half up. Here's the minor third raise, and that we've talked down. about. That's right. Um, and what we're getting is in that first. I finally found something worth keeping. So the chords we're getting there is like an E, F sharp to a B, okay? Mm -hmm. And so now if you're in A flat, you would actually call that F flat, G flat, Mm -hmm. okay? And then to a B. That's like calling the E the old F flat. Right. Yeah. I wonder, honestly, if you were writing this down, like proper sheet Uh music, if you would write down... um, no, surely you would just, you just put, put an e. the key change in <laughs> on that chord yeah. and call it E, F sharp, yeah. B. But you could also say F flat, <laughs> G flat, C flat yeah, if you wanted to keep B. it in flats rather than uh-huh. go sharps. Um, All you redback hymnal folk that are playing along on your organ, <laughs> right. you might be like, give me the flats. Yeah, just give me all, all the flats. That's right. Give me all the flats. So what it does is we're in A flat, and that E chord sounds like a flat six chord. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you had some fun on the weekend. If that's your one, I'm pretty close. Um, <clears throat> so then it's going flat six, flat seven, which is an not an unheard of move mm-hmm. to get back to the one. Right, you get that even on a major key. Yeah, it does happen sometimes. But what it goes, what it does is it goes flat six, flat seven, 
flat three. Like yeah. it's what it. That's mm-hmm. technically what it's doing. Yeah. So, so it's going, but that becomes four or five. One, one of the yeah. new key, and and this is really neat. Um, the melody becomes minor sounding for a second during the transition. It's really the melody hops into B before the chords actually get there. Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah. he goes, finally found, that becomes, ah, right? Uh-huh. That's the minor third in A flat. That's the B. Okay. So he's singing yeah. the three, two, one of the new yep. key. Three, two, one, two, one, two, five, three. Uh, you know, and then a three, three down, right? So, yeah. okay, he's already singing in the that, new key. Just so you know, that three would be a C if we're in A flat, but it's but it's a B because not the three. Yes, it's, it's a wait. If what? you're in A flat, because the three it goes A flat, B flat, C major, C major. Yeah, right. So you're saying if we're still in if A we're flat, in A yes. flat. But he sings it as a B. It becomes minor, minor because the melody is going to be before the chords tell you what they're finished doing. Okay. Okay. So the the chords are going E F sharp mm-hmm. or F flat. G flat, G flat, and you don't know what what they're doing, Except what they're up to. That uh, he un- tells you that it's going to land in B by what he's playing on top or singing yes, on top. Yes, so it's in- essentially the the melody goes ahead and goes into that, and it makes it sound like an E major seven. His mm-hmm. first note finally found mm-hmm. makes it an E major seven, and so it, but it doesn't all come together until that it lands B major yep. chord. Yeah, uh, that B natural chord. But here's the cool thing about the melody there is that the five of the original key, okay? E flat. E flat mm-hmm. becomes the three of the new key. Yeah. Okay? Becomes a, a, a D sharp mm-hmm. in the key of B, yeah. which is the third. Yeah. Okay? We following? Yep. So finally found something worth keeping. That note? Is that? Okay. With the five of A flat. But the three okay. of the new chord. But it's a three the of key. B. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's cool. All right. Now... When we shift back to A flat, yeah. it shifts back with a two minor five in B, okay, okay. which is a C sharp minor, F sharp, mm-hmm. then just up from the F sharp to A flat, okay. which is kind of what you think is maybe going to happen the first time mm-hmm. when it goes flat six, flat seven, why not go back up go to up the to one, one. Yeah. right? That F sharp is the flat seven okay, up to A that's flat. Cool. So that's the move that it happens. And the cool thing that happens there is the melody does the opposite. Okay. The melody third becomes the melody five. Which signals that we're going back to of the, the new key. Okay. So that's it goes, cool. so that's in least, uh, in least I had, right? That's mm-hmm. the third now. Least I had the five, three, two, one. Okay. You know what I mean? That's cool. So yeah. the, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that it would happen the opposite both times because we're going from one key to a different key mm-hmm. and then back to the original. But it's just an interesting little theory thing that the three becomes the, uh, the five becomes the three and then the and then in the melody they use it again to go back to help establish the new key. Yeah. Like it, you know what I mean? These common tones can help your ear make sense of these key changes. Yeah. Um that that otherwise you might not fully be able to grab onto. But the but the melody really gives you the key to yeah. unlock everything. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay. 
That's my thing. A lot of stuff, let's, but it's good. <laughs> let's meet the band. Let's meet them. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, let's meet the band that played on the weekend. Um, on drums, Owen Hale. He played on the 1997 Skinnerd album, 20, which was 20 years from the crash that killed Ronnie Van Zant and Steve Gaines. He also played with Toby Keith, uh, Patty Loveless, and wait for it, Doug Stone. Uh, Doug Go Stone. Go ahead and sing I'd be better off in a pine box. I'd be better off. In a pine box. There it is, Doug Stone. Thank you for coming back. To Doug always overstays his welcome. It's been a long time. Doug, it's good to have you back around. We Great wall. <laughs> there he prison. is. There Wait for he it. Is. Doing Doug. time. Good. <laughs> there it is. Nailed it, Doug. Uh, Owen Hale on drums. Um, on bass. Thank God, Doug, Doug, Doug. go to hell and face <laughs> the devil. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Uh, on bass, Emory Gordy Jr. Uh, his first album he ever played on, Cold Springs Harbor for Billy Joel. Really? She's Got Away. Also on, it's his very first album wow. that he ever played on. How's That's that? awesome. Also on Piano Man and Streetlight Serenade, which has the entertainer if you're looking for some punchy Emory Gordy bass. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff with Billy Joel. But that's, that's a dope. great first album to be on, yeah. right? Um, on Tambourine, Terry McMillan, um, the gentleman that you mentioned that wrote, also played, also played synth. Also played synth and uh, did some programming and some background vocal arrangement. Bill Bounty, yeah. um, and we may talk a little bit more. This, well, I was going to say right there that the story goes that the producer, whose name was Tony Brown, mm -hmm. brought him in, brought Bill Bounty in to the session because the demo of this song was so perfect that he wanted Bill Bounty on it to help make it as much like the demo as possible. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, on electric guitar, you want this guy's name on a country album. His name is Billy Joe Walker. Okay, I mean, come yeah. on. That's a country guitar player's sure. name if I ever heard it. Yeah. Um, he's mainly into production, did stuff with Colin Ray, Pam Tillis, Brian White. Um, on acoustic guitar, Richard Bennett was a sideman with Neil Diamond and Mark Knopfler, Mark Knopfler okay. of right. Dire of Straits for the <laughs> longest time. Um, and I intentionally said for the longest time because he was also Billy Joel's guitar player. Really? On Piano Man album. Wow. So this is... Okay, you see what I'm... This goes to support my argument that this could have also been a soft rock number yeah, one. exactly. Right? I mean, it, it, easily. Yep. Stuff with Alabama, Garth Brooks. Um, his website is a laundry list of magnificence. Okay. Um, he played with everybody. Um, pause just a second. That's what also our website, the, the our episodes list is also a laundry list of magnificence. So that's the band that played on the weekend. Dude, amazing. Amazing um, band. And we got to talk for a second about Steve Warner's uh, instrumental magnificence. Absolutely. And um, it's funny to me that somebody, I think we might have even mentioned this to him on the interview, I can't remember, but somebody that's such a good guitar player doesn't even play guitar on this track. Yeah. Like, but he's such a good guitar player. So he please, is. let's dig in for a bit. Let me let me play a little bit. Let's just go right in here. Um he won a Grammy uh, for his involvement with this song. Um, and this is called, uh, I want to say it right, it's called Cluster Pluck. Um, <laughs> and this is from the Brad Paisley album, Play. Um, and so I'll just play you a little bit. This is also including several other guitarists, but it's just so good. It truly is just like... Um, buckle up, let's go. Yeah, just just buckle up. This is, this is Cluster Pluck. Cluster pluck. There it 
to figure out who is what order on this song. Because <laughs> it's insane. This is James, James Burton, one of the OG country yeah. guitar players. Not even country guitar, just one of the OG yeah. lead guitar players. Uh, Vince Gill, Albert Lee, John Jorgensen, Brent Mason, Red Volkert, and Steve Warner. That's amazing. And Brad Paisley. If you were like, JP, just play any notes this fast. Any <laughs> notes. They don't have to be the right ones in this style. I can't even keep up. They're so good, man. Dude, it, it, it's insane. So anyway, needless to say... This one a Grammy this for this track sponsored by the Fender Telecaster. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah, uh, that is a that is Cluster Pluck, uh, one of four uh, songs for which uh, Steve Warner has won a Grammy. Your significance uh, in pronouncing and your clarity and safety there. Did you ever eat at Fuddruckers? Yes, freaking yes. love that restaurant. <laughs> There needs to be more of those. Some yeah. of my favorite hamburgers Great ever. Burger. Um, let's see. The other Grammys, uh, to his credit, would be um, another uh, country instrumental performance called Producers Medley and one called Bob's Breakdowns. And then he won for Best Country Vocal Collaboration uh, with the song Restless. Um, Steve is a member of the Grand Ole Opry. He has 10 number one hits to his credit, the weekend being the sixth. Um, you remember when he played the Super Bowl a couple years ago and he did the whole thing where he was like trapped under the stage trying to find his way around? <laughs> right. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. You're that was on, the weekend again. The other, I'm sorry. The other weekend. I'm sorry. No. 18 albums, 50 singles. Holy business. Yeah. That's a lot let's, of music. Let's play a few of the other Steve Warner songs uh, that you are probably familiar with. And by the way, if if his name is new to you, it is not Warner like Warner Brothers. It is Warner with an I. Yeah, with an I. Warner. It's not Stevie Wonder. <clears throat> That's right. I believe his last. Oh no, this. I don't think this went to number one. I think this actually went to number two and didn't hit number one. But it's one of his most popular ones, and that would be Holes in the Floor of Heaven, mm-hmm. which Goodness we will gracious. talk to him about. We will, and we will cry. Cause there's holes in the floor of heaven And her tears are pouring down That's how you know she's watching Wishing she could be here now And sometimes if you're lonely Just remember she can see There's holes in the floor Watching over you and me. Oh, all right, everybody, grab a tissue. Grab a <laughs> tissue. Um, I I just just now figured out how to how to categorize Steve Warner. Okay. Okay. Incredible vocalist, incredible songwriter, incredible guitarist, clean cut blonde hair. Who am I describing? Outside country music. One more time. Incredible vocalist. Okay. Incredible guitarist. Incredible songwriter, 
clean, in country music? Gentle, gentle vocal. In country would outside country Keith, music. Keith Urban, clean okay. cut, short blonde hair. 80s, 90s. Who Stephen am I Curtis describing? Chapman? Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yes, yes, he is country yes. music's Stephen Curtis That's Chapman. Good, like, and vice versa. That left your horses. Saddle Steve. Up, dude, doggone it. Um, let's see. Well, let's do some more. Um, how about, let's actually stay on that album. How about Linda? Oh, this is a smoker right here. This was also number one. There were um, three singles off of the. Uh, it's a crazy world album, and they all went number one. I said, right in bed. I saw a red sky dawning. Must have been something I read. Linda, do you want to dance? Linda, give me half a chance. All right, so that's Linda. Um, he has a ton. He had 10 uh, number one hits. He also is a prolific co-writer. He's written a bunch of great stuff, uh, including this one you may remember by a little gentleman named Garth Brooks. Long, Long Nick Bottom Let go my hand In jukebox, don't stop playing that song again there's a girl at home who loves me You know she won't understand Long dick bottle Let go my hand I mean, no big deal Goodness No big deal. gracious, yes um, What else? I don't know uh, member of the Grand Ole Opry, I believe I said that uh, He's won three country music awards An American music award He went on the road with Dottie West And we'll talk about this At age 17 after she heard him perform At the Nashville Country Club Which was not in Nashville It was in Indianapolis mm-hmm. um, And uh, he finished school by correspondence course While being on the road That's at 17 Which is awesome that, That's like Would have been would have been my dream in high school. Man, you, know? you and you guys are going to love the way he tells stories. It's so good. Oh, yeah. He's so fun. Like, yeah, we're going to get some great stories out of him. Um, his early stuff was produced by Chet Atkins, and we got a great story man, about that. that bass player joke um, is awesome. And, so just uh, wait for that one. Chet Atkins also helped him to get signed in 1976 to, I believe it was RCA at the time. Um, he's also got cuts with Clint, uh, Clint Black, Brian White. <clears throat> he had a... Uh, a Billboard Hot 100 crossover went to like number 59 with Anita Cochran called What If I Said. He founded his own label in 2003 called Select Tone. In, in 2019, he was inducted to the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum. And I don't know how I missed this in my first round of research for our interview with him, or I definitely would have asked him about this. But according to Wikipedia. Okay. For much of the 1980s, uh, it says Steve Warner developed an interest in stage magic and would often include magic as part of his concerts. I didn't know that. I didn't read that. I see that. Rob loves magic. I, dude, I, I would have geeked out with him over that. Um, and so I don't I don't know if I just missed that. As much that. as Rob wanted to be Neil Morse last week, he <laughs> wants to be the guy playing guitar and doing magic, doing magic. on stage yeah. this week. Concept record about magic he wants, and baseball. If, uh, he wants, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So anyway, the, the guy's just a legend. It was so cool to get to talk to him. Um, I do have a, a, a couple of notes um, just more on uh, the song and the writers. Okay. I want to make sure I mention that. Uh, so Bill Bounty and Becky Foster wrote this song. They were husband and wife. They also co-wrote two other number one hits for Steve Warner, and that would be Linda that I just played, and I got Dreams, which we need to. Uh, I'll play. We have I'll to play. play, and you tell the story sure. as we're playing it. Sure. So Rob was playing this song, and I'm like, "Oh, I know this song. I love this song." Um, we had a group in our church named The Presence that was fronted by my buddy Dave Passmore, and he wrote this song, but it's not this song. <laughs> he uh, has a version of this song. And uh, I'll sing the chorus for that song on top of this one. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it's basically a remix of this song. And I, I did not know those were two different songs. I knew both of these songs in my head. And then today just put them together. That they're the same song. He's like, I got Jesus getting me through this life. <laughs> he said, he's my savior and my guiding light. So it's that kind of concept. Now, that's the same freaking song. Anyway, it's awesome. JP goes, I love this song, and then <laughs> and then it dawns on him. Wait, I love this other song that's I just love like this. Another song that's the same song. Anyway, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's so great. good, so good. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see. Also credited to Bill LeBounty, uh, and some of them presumably with Becky Foster, but I'm not 100 percent sure on these uh, singles for Brooks and Dunn, Jimmy Buffett, Lone Star, Eddie Raven, Sawyer Brown, Shenandoah. Uh, Tanya Tucker, Ronnie Millsap, and Bobby Caldwell. Ronnie Millsap and Bobby Caldwell both cut the same song by okay. Bill LeBounty, and it is called She Loves My Car. Okay. Not to be confused with I'm In Love With My Car by Queen. Sure. Um, or She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy. Yes. <laughs> right. Back in Chesney. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you think of Ronnie Millsap and Bobby Caldwell, Bobby Caldwell is, uh, um, you know, like smooth jazz. What you won't do for love. Yeah. And Ronnie Millsap is, you know, is it, I mean, it's country. country. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a stranger in my house. <laughs> um, but, you know, so to think of them both doing the same song, but it's cool. I mean, it's a great song. You listen yeah. to it, it's really interesting. It's actually, it actually surprises me more that Ronnie Millsap did it. Okay. Because to, to hear the song, well, I'll just play it. Yeah, play Shoot. a little bit of it. I thought it was an ad, but that's the actual <laughs> that's beginning the actual, of the song. Yeah. Nah, that's country, buddy. This is pretty... Do you think so? That guitar? It's heavy. No. For country? In the 80s? No, come on, buddy. 
and then listen to the chorus. Hold on. There's synthesizers going. Okay, I'm that telling you, right there. This is closer that, that, to the Cars than Ronnie Mills. That right there is. There's so much space between the lines, yeah. son. Right there. But now, That's a country song. This part sounds crazy. Well, wait till the chorus hits, though. I don't know. I'm confused. That's... It's a weird melody. That's awesome. Like that is an awesome melody, That's an cool. awesome chord structure. Getting into a major one to a, I think a flat three, and yeah. but yeah, she loves my car. It's that's fantastic. <laughs> but I don't know that that's country music. I, I, I think I, it, <laughs> that's eighties music. Yeah, I don't think that that's country. Okay. Um, and but good on them. Like I love that. Get <laughs> a, get a so get you a song that, that will work both, for yeah. Ronnie Millsap and Bobby Caldwell. Yeah. I like. I absolutely love that. It took three months for uh, the weekend to climb to the top of the charts. That's a slow That's a burn time, for yeah. a single. Yeah. Like I don't know the timeline of the single releases, but you could easily have had another single released after Competing this. Competing with yourself, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, three months—that's a long. That's a long time. So I don't know if something precipitated that if it was kind of sizzling under or Mm -hmm. if it was kind of a steady climb or if it was kind of just sitting and then something happened and it just leapt you know up um but people finally went whoa (laughs) the album itself it's a crazy world went to number 30 on the u.s billboard top country albums chart it was steve's fifth um uh studio album and like I said, it had three singles and all went to number one. Small Town Girl, Linda, and The Weeknd was actually the third single. So I guess there wasn't a fourth single a- yeah. a- after this. Small Town Girl, he wrote with uh, John Hall of Orleans. Oh, Hall really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. Let's, uh, why don't we stump the genius and then maybe Let's we'll go talk it. to Steve. Let's stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right. I was going to do weekend facts, and that was kind of boring because uh, <laughs> the only good one I could come up with is Sweden. In Sweden, Saturday is the only day that young kids can eat candy in Sweden. Really? Only on Saturday. And so that got kind of depressing. Just the so, absolute so lack the of freedom. I'm Un- disgusted. <laughs> Ikea is all they have. Just kidding. Here we go. So on we go. There, Ikea is right from Sweden. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Stuff the genius. I'm going to do um, Steve's birthday is December the 25th. Okay. Yes. Famous Jesus. Right. Um, so these <laughs> musicians all have a December 25th birthday. Okay. So I'm going to play a clip. Uh, let's set a timer. Okay. Let's do 35 seconds. All right. And I'm going to play five songs. And we'll see if you can get these musicians. Okay, 35 uh, seconds. These were all born on December the 25th. Okay. Here we so go. So that actually doesn't help me to know anything about Nothing them. I just have to straight up identify the musicians. I think, right. I think you're going to do okay. All right. So, Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Stevie Wonder? No, I'm thinking. Eat, eat. Oh, um, uh, oh, oh, uh, Annie Lennox. Annie Lennox. Oh, man, I don't know how long it takes this one to come in. Let me jump it. Oh, my gosh. Get us some vocals. Nope. Dido? Dido. Okay. Oh, a, a lot of miles. A lot of miles. Seven seconds. This one's going to be the toughie. Uh, let me I try to get the last one that gets me. It's a shame. It's a downright uh, 
Man Trail. Oh, be right. But man, four Barbara. Out of five. Good job, Rob. All right. Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett, Annie Lennox, Dido, a lot of miles. All burned on man. born on December twenty fifth. I don't know if I would have pulled Barbara Mandrell at all. That's why I put I, her at the bottom. Even if uh even if even Annie Lennox minutes. tripped me up a little bit because I was thinking of when it first hit that piano thing reminded me of what's the song where Stevie Wonder starts speaking and he's like a, a you know is it, he and then he's like, I gotta speak a very fluent, fluent Spanish. Uh, oh, it, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. He's like, I know that. that I rack, I ran, I'm in Eurasia. Yeah. What song is that? Oh, man, um, don't remember. you worry about a thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? I think you're right. It, I forgot about the that. The beginning okay. of it reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, all right. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, our little country cooking episode yeah. uh, with Steve Warner. Uh, we've we've gotten in with a few legendary country artists of late. Yeah. So we'll be sprinkling them throughout uh the you know the season in, in in some order and in on on into next season we've just gotten some great connections with some country legends lately yeah. so you may hear a little bit more not more than usual just so, and some of our favorite interviews are these guys. They're so good. Man, if you you guys are going to be like, these interviews are polished. These guys have done this before. Yeah. And they feel so comfortable. Yes. Every one of these, you're like, holy It's cow. like they've all graduated from interview college. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're going to be great. Steve's awesome, um, man. And just a, a real part of my, like, young yeah. musical life, he was all over. I remember being sick of this song as a kid. See, and I wasn't even hip on this song. Like, this is more a Rob find than I was. Mm. And Rob's like, oh, The weekend, we got to do it. And I was like, I need a refresher. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, yeah. I, I heard this. I heard The weekend so much as a kid that I think my brain blocked it out. <laughs> and then it came back to me yeah. in my 40s. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? It took two decades <laughs> off and then came back. And, of course, all his, uh, you know, he was all over the radio and stuff, right? In my country music prime. Yeah. So um, big deal for me, and I know for you to get to talk to this legendary Grand Ole Opry uh, member, and we're going to talk to him about all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was part of Loretta Lynn's uh, home-going service, you know, yeah. her, her uh, what, whatever you want to call it, her memorial service. Celebration at the Grand Ole of Opry. life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so like the, guy, the guy's an, an absolute legend. So we're going to talk to him about all kinds of stuff, and you're really going to enjoy it. We'll uh, we'll be back to tuck you in on the other side, but first I need you to just kind of stop what you're doing, if you would. Pull over if you're on the road, um, or like if you're on the subway, have them stop the car. Just have them <laughs> just stop the train, just for safety's sake, so you don't drop your phone while you're doing this. Um, I need you to go to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and follow us there at Great Song Pod. Make sure you're uh, subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening to it, and make sure you tell. Look, turn to your left and turn to your right. <laughs> Touch, touch three people and tell them, go to greatsongpodcast.com, okay? Um, and if you want to go the extra mile and help support the show, help us to be able to do what we do and become a producer, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash greatsongpod. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash greatsongpod. And if you decide to support the show anyway, you will have A, our eternal gratitude, and B, every way that we can possibly find to say thank you yeah. and show our appreciation. So for everyone who does support the show on Patreon, we want to say thanks. For everyone who's listening and under the sound of my voice currently, I just want to say, man, I love you with all my heart. Thank you so much for listening to the show, being part of our journey here on the Great Song Podcast through 11 seasons, coming up on six years. Um, Having a blast. Just just amazing. So we're going to go talk to Steve Warner. I, I can't Goodness believe we're going to go talk to Steve Warner. We'll be back on the other side to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with country music icon, Steve Warner. (laughs) Steve, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. 
Well, my pleasure, guys. And I wait a minute, say that again. Did you say icon? Oh, you, I like that. You well, believe I, it. Icon. <laughs> thank you guys. I'm glad to be on with you. Man, it's it's a real treat. This is like, you know, every now and then JP JP handles most of our like booking and stuff like that. And so every now and then yep. he, he says, Hey, I just landed so and so and I go, <gasps> What? And so he's like, I got Steve Warner. And I'm like, Are you serious? That's cool, man. So, yeah, man. Really great to have you today. Um Yeah, same here, man. I'm glad to do it. Well, let me let me start here. Let's go all the way back to the nineteen seventies. Uh you you broke into the industry as what I see as a kind of transitional time for country music, uh, the 1970s. The sound of country music uh, broadened a lot during that period. You had groups like, you know, I think about groups like Exile that were really kind of pushing the limit of like, is this country yeah. music? Is this pop music? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so from, from somebody who was, who was coming up in the thick of that, tell us about the country music scene of the mid to late 70s. Well, man, I came here, I came to Nashville in 73, Late '73, it just and I, when I came here, I was had a. I'm one of those rare guys, I guess, probably rare, a musician that actually came to came here with a job. I uh, I met Dottie West, the great Dottie West. I met her. I met her when I was in high school, my senior year, and she offered me a job, and I took it. And I had to wait till my semester break, of my senior year. When she met me, the guy, she said, "Can you hear me playing?" And, and uh, she said, can you join the band? She goes, well, I love what you're doing. We need a bass player. Can you join the band? And I go, Dottie, I'm a senior in high school. <laughs> and, and she goes, oh, you are? And I go, but so I, anyway, I, I graduated. My grades were okay, and I, I graduated. I did graduate, youngsters out there listening. I did graduate. And, and But I uh, I moved here having a job, and when I came here, and I actually lived with Dottie for a while. I lived with her and her fiance at the time, Byron, and their kids, you know, Byron's, I mean, Dottie's children, you know, and I was just like another one of the kids. I hit it off with all of them and lived there for a while until she booted me out and said, you know, you might want to find your own place someday <laughs> here, you know, and uh, which I did. And, uh, how'd that conversation uh, go Because I was parents? really getting comfortable on that couch in the basement near the pool table. I mean, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty comfortable and great cook, and she was a great cook. <laughs> But I worked with Dottie West for three years. We did the, she obviously we did the Opry. She was an Opry star. Uh, first time I did the Opry, it was it was we did it several times uh, before they moved. In '74, they moved out where they are now to the new place. They were building Opryland and all that, and and uh, it was I moved. But I played the original Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman. You know, I played uh, a few times before they moved it. So I'm glad I got to do that. You know, play the see what the Opry was at the Ryman, you know, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. So, but Nashville, your question, Nashville was, oh my gosh, it's, you can't even imagine what it looked like in 1974, five, six, you know, through there. It was, it was small Nashville, little, small, charming town, you know, I wouldn't even call it a city, really. Well, it was, but I, I looked at it more like a town, you know, a big town. It was really cool. And, and uh, the community, the music community was pretty tight knit. You know, everybody knew everybody. It was pretty, pretty small, you know. And I, I, as soon as I was with Dottie, I worked for her for three years and I started networking quickly. I just came here wanting to be a player, you know, and I knew I wanted someday to make records, you know, and be an artist. Uh, I never in my life uttered the words, I want to be a star. 
You know, I mean, that's to me, you know, sometimes you talk to young people now, their aspirations are to be famous. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I don't I don't know what I want to do. I just want to be famous. But <laughs> I just wanted to play music somewhere. I just wanted to go play with some players and, you know, sit in with somebody, make a record, maybe, you know, record. And and uh, I, I did that, you know, so. Well, Rob asked you to go back uh, to the 70s, um, so I'm going to take you back even further than playing Here Comes My Baby with Donnie Ooh. West. What is it like to share a birthday with Jesus? You're born on Christmas, <laughs> tw- December of 20. 20- Did you have to, do you have to share gifts? I, I mean, not with Jesus, but like you have to separate, like this is birthday gift, this is Christmas gift. My my wife's birthday is December the 23rd, and she's like, you have to tell me, like, I need my she, birthday oh, gift. Oh, she totally understands same, we have the same. Basically, we have the same birthday because she knows exactly yeah, what I'm going through. And uh, but yeah, get, uh, Larry Gatlin told me once. He said, "Hey, you're born on the same day as Jesus." He goes, "You boy, you you're never going to top that one, are you?" And I go, "No, <laughs> never." Yeah. You know. So. And, and Rob made <laughs> but, a good uh, point. He figured that's probably why your middle name is Noel. Did that have anything to do with it? I think so. You know, and you know, it's funny, y'all. It was when I was in school. If the conversation ever came up, uh, hey, what's your middle name? And I would go, oh, no, they're going to come around to me, you know. <laughs> and I was so worried that they were, Noel, oh, my God, you know, uh, might as well be Santa Claus' middle name, you know. But I was so worried. But I, I even went so far as I would say it's Noel, you no, know. No. Yeah, it's Noel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, here's a phrase as a kid growing up. Here's a phrase that I got really accustomed to. I bet your wife, too. Hey, happy birthday and Merry and Christmas. Merry Christmas, yeah, yeah. And then they hand you one present and you go, man, man, you know. <laughs> uh, but that was, that was, uh, you know, that was my childhood. But I guarantee you one thing, when I got married, my wife Karen, she does not, it is a law, she lays a law down. There's no such thing as putting Christmas paper on a birthday present. And there's always <laughs> going to be a birthday, just a birthday Usually a cake, or well, there always is a cake, but a little bit of a celebration. Not, I mean, you can't compare it to Christmas, but <laughs> we always have it in the evening, like after all the every the whole Christmas hubbub is pretty much winded down, and like about nine o'clock or so, then we go. Oh, I, I always go. Oh, I got some more presents. Oh, cool. You know? <laughs> and then she about. makes a cake usually, or gets a cake, and so she will. She goes out the way. My point though is that she will not. Mit- crisscrossing at all because she knows I had that my whole life you know <laughs> and I don't it's okay because my mom and dad I think that's how that's how you do it when you got a house full of kids and you don't have a, a ton of money that's how it works you know right. so I get that you yeah, know sure. well, while we're reminiscing so if you could go back to 1982 and tell 1982 Steve Warner as he kicks off his album with your memory what advice would you give him Please don't tell him to change the red tie that matches the red PVT60 perfectly. <laughs> There's like so many knobs on that guitar. Uh, me and Rob are both PV guys. We I, we play a wolf. Ga- I played a wolf gang. Anyway, PV plastic yeah. everywhere. What advice do you give 1982 Steve Warner? Well, good lord, I don't. You, we don't have enough time on your show to do to, to all the things I've said. What a cliff what notes, a, pick uh, one. <laughs> What a knucklehead I was. I I was walking around, oh, my God, I'm really all that, you know. And I should have listened to my dad because he always said, man, don't think you're hot, you know, because you'll walk down the street and you'll trip over somebody that can kick your butt in anything, you know. So 
Uh, and that's true. I told my kids that always, but I don't know. I'd go back. I'd, you know what? The biggest thing, being serious for a moment, what I would probably do is uh, if I could, and this was common in the day when I signed with RCA, Chet Atkins signed me to RCA, and I signed a singles deal back then that was a common thing. You know, let's see how you do. We'll put out some singles. Let's sign you to a singles deal. And so I like, I, they like to never put that album out. Uh, you know, I had a top 10, a top five, and a number one before that record even came out, and I begged them to put it out. And they're, oh, there's an oil crisis. Uh, we're having trouble uh, pressing vinyl. And I go, well, so they're not having trouble pressing the Crystal Hill record, you know, <laughs> so whatever. But but uh, so if I if I could go back, I really would. I probably would uh, get uh, some. I'd hook up with a strong management company or management. Back then, a lot of artists didn't have management. It was real common, you know, for a guy like me starting out to not have uh, management that changed the next for that next generation you know there was hardly anybody artists that didn't they weren't represented you know when you don't have management the labels can kind of you know as great as they are they can there's nobody there to represent you you know they can do what they want pretty much and, and you're a young guy going like oh that's great let's do it you know and you need somebody looking over making some of those wise decisions and hard calls, you know, and I didn't, it was just me, a single guy, knucklehead me, just living, <laughs> playing a T60PV and, you know, <laughs> you know, it was a, you need to, if you're starting out on a label like that, even in the world of back then, it was a smaller music, country music was in its infancy, really, as far as, uh, you know, the music row we know now, it was like nothing like that. It was, it was, uh, you know, way that sounds like it feels like a hundred years ago. It was such a different world. But I would, I would come in blazing with a like Waylon. I always loved Waylon because I was on RCA. Waylon was there too, and I always he always had a really strong management. Of course, he was Waylon, but but uh, I always thought, man, that's what you need is you got New York lawyer management. Man, they're coming in hot, man. So that's what you need. The yeah. uh, well, you definitely uh, let your style continue on. And even the video for the weekend, you're you're rocking that awesome mullet and pink shirt and everything. So <laughs> got the video vixen country style in there with you. You mentioned Chet Atkins, and I know Rob's got something on Chet that he wanted to throw at you. Yeah, I uh, yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you just a couple things about Chet. I know obviously Chet has been a big influence in your life, both musically and professionally. And so I wondered if you would tell us a little bit about that, and please do include. Uh, your story about getting fired by Chet Atkins. That's not a question I would normally ask about <laughs> Oh, my somebody, God, but, yeah. but I love that story so much. Absolutely. I well, see, I met I met Chet through a guy. Well, let me back up. Let me back up just a little bit. I'll do a condensed version of this because I don't want to bore you guys to death. But <laughs> think of this 1976. I go out. Uh, I'm working for a guy named Bob Luman. He L U M A N, and you need to look him up, everybody, because he was a he was a rockabilly star in the '50s, and then he went on to do country music. He had huge country hits. Uh, let's think about living, and uh, neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye. He did those, and was huge. I played with him for about a year after Dottie West, <clears throat> and he was a dear friend. And he uh, was going to make a new album, and he called me. Uh, I was touring with him, and he said, man, I've, I've heard some of your songs. I've never had any songs cut at this point, and uh, I just was writing, writing, writing every day. And uh, he said, I want to cut some of your songs. 
and I'm going to be cutting at the House of Cash out in Hendersonville. And uh, he lived in Hendersonville, by the way. He lived on Caldell Drive. And then one of his neighbors was Johnny Cash, and the other neighbor was Roy Orbison. And he said, one of my, my neighbor's going to produce an album on me. And I went, uh-oh, this is going to get good. And he goes, and I want to do some of your songs, and I want you to play on it. Bass. Mm-hmm. And I go, done, done deal, man. So I go out the house of Cash in Hendersonville. Don't even have a bass with me. I go to a music store in Hendersonville and borrow a bass. <laughs> and I go to the house of Cash and... uh and uh, walk in, and there's Johnny Cash in the control room, and, and Bob Bob motions me. I'm setting up my gear, and he he goes, "Do that song for John." And I and I sang the first song he wanted to do, and Johnny Cash goes, "I love it. Let's cut it." And I go, "Oh my God! I just got my first cut." <laughs> and then Johnny Cash did this four times. I, he we cut he cut four of my songs on this oh, album. That's amazing. And uh, the album's called Alive and Well. Bob Lumen. And I played on it, and the guitar player that came in on the 2 o'clock session uh, was uh, Waylon Jennings. He played acoustic at 2 o'clock on the session. I'm getting to the Chet Atkins thing is why this story probably feels like it's rambling, but the the session guitar player on the session was a guy named Paul Yandel, and he was Chet's right-hand guy, had been for years. And they were super close, and he toured with Chet. Well, he came over to me during one of the breaks, and he said, man, I like your songs. Uh, if you'll get a tape together of some songs that he said, I think Chet would love to hear you. And so I ran after the session and <laughs> cut some stuff and took it to him, and he took it to Chet, and Chet heard it and called me. And uh, uh, and so and I was up in Kentucky at my mom and dad's, and my brother used to call me, my older brother Kenny, used to call all the time and he would always mess with me. He was one of those guys and he would go, yeah, this is Merle Haggard. (laughs) And I would get on and go, shut up, Kenny, you know? (laughs) And so Chet calls me at my mom and dad's and he goes, yeah, this is Chet Atkins or Steve Warner there. And I go, and I would answer the phone and I go, Kenny, shut the hell up, man. You know, (laughs) and it was Chet. It was really Chet. And uh, so Chet said, man, I want you to come down. I want to meet you. Paul gave me that tape and I want to meet you. And so I went down. That's what led to me recording with Chad. And we started making records. He took me in Studio B, and we started cutting some things. That kind of as a test, you know. He he had me play guitar for him, and I'm hands are shaking. I'm going like I'm freaking playing for Chad Atkins, right, you no know. And, uh, and he recorded me, put me on tape, and and then it led to me uh, getting a you know he signed me eventually to that contract. But Bob Lumen passed away, 42 years old. I had about 10 bucks in my pocket, you know down here with no, no, you know, really couldn't afford tomorrow's meal probably. And Chet knew that, I think. And he, he's, while we were trying to make some records, he, uh, he said, why don't you come on the road? I need a bass player. Come and tour with me. And so I started touring with Chet playing bass and Paul was in that band too. So it was great, man, a great band. We toured Europe and, and, uh, it was just uh, unbelievable. And, uh, and the one story, and I'll get to the firing in a minute, one story, too, was one time in Alaska, I'm playing, and he introduces the piano player, and I'm playing my bass, bump, 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 and I see Chet coming my way, and Chet bends over and whispers in my ear and says, and I'm thinking, he never comes over to me during the show here, and Chet Atkins bends over and says, has anyone ever told you you're the world's greatest bass player? Oh, man. And I say... And I go, no. And he goes, have you ever wondered why? 
<laughs> and then he walks back, and nobody on the planet heard it but me. That's great. <laughs> Is that awesome? That's, That's fantastic. Great. I love that. Now, in the meantime, he, I went in his office one day. After that, not long, I toured with him for a while. And we, we tried to, we had some records that did okay, some singles. It never did, we never did uh, hit a home run. So he called me one day and he goes, you should go with another producer. He goes, I'm starting to slow down and I'm not really doing it much. And, uh, and he said, you can still tour with me. You know, we'll still tour, but you really should go. And I went with Tom Collins. He produced some records on me. Well, we put out a record called your memory and it was top 10. It went to seven, I think. And, uh, and it was a hit all over radio. And Chet called me and said, Hey, come in. I need to talk to you. And so I go in and, and we just got back from a tour and I and I go, yeah. What, what do you need, Chet? And he goes, well, I see you had a hit, you got a top ten hit record. And I go, yes, sir. It's, it's cool, isn't it? And he goes, yeah, that's great. He goes, that's great, man. I'm happy for you. And I go, well, thanks. And he goes, you're fired. <laughs> and I go, what? And he goes, you're fired. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, you need to get yourself out there and get your own band and get on, get it going, man. You got a top ten hit record. You need to get out of here and get going. And I go, okay. <laughs> he fired me, and then we—I mean, we were best friends up until I—you know—I was with him a week before he died. I mean, I, we were super close. And he, every time I saw him, if it was in a crowd of people, he would always, when he saw me, even to the end, he would say, "Steve, I thought I fired you. What are you doing here?" <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, he but he was the best nose. man. He was my pal, and I miss him every day. That's good. That's great. Well, there's so many. Like we have a list. I'm like, I don't know which thing to talk about with. Like, cause I was going like, well, let's go long neck bottle with Garth. Now I'm like, nah, let's go nothing but the tail lights with Clint Black. Now I'm like, wait a minute, let's go where the black top is with Keith Urban. So I'm like, wait, wait, I gotta pick one because we're on a time limit. So I'm gonna go a little deeper cut. Small town girl. Um, actually, let's go one more. I'm gonna go one more. If I can make living out of loving you, um, it's gonna hit heartstrings because Rob loves a good parenthesis in a song title. I do. Love it. That's his thing. I it? do too. I, really? Something about that. I like it. I don't know. Isn't that weird? That's, it, adds, <laughs> it adds some like Rob, you're weird like. Me, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. That, that's a Rob thing, and I am a huge Dave Loggins fan. I mean, please come to Boston. I love, I just, I love Dave Loggins. I just had a conversation about him a few days ago. Yeah. Was talking about Dave Loggins, and he, what a writer! I wrote a bunch with him, and uh, we've got some songs we wrote together. We got a killer song that we never even. I never finished it, never did anything with it, but he came to my house like a couple times, and we wrote this song, and it's called "He Takes the Long Way Home." And it's about a guy that don't really want to go home because there's not much there for him. She don't love him anymore. So he always, coming home from work, he always takes the real long way home. Oh, my God, it touches you. And we wrote that. And the only problem is, I think the reason I never did it, because it's about seven minutes long, it just I, it just kept going and going. But it's all good, you know. And, <laughs> and he's a tremendous writer, man. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering. Artist. I love Please Come to Austin. I think artist. Not only a writer, but an artist, you know, and I don't think he really got his due, man, be quite honest. Same. I'm, I'm loving talking to you because you're, after all this time, you still sound very excited about great songs. Oh, yeah. And I, I Oh, yeah, it's that. about songs, man. I, I always tell people they don't bring up the writers or give them credit, and I always say, man, y'all, come on, all you artists, go try to have a hit, hit without a song. I mean, the song is the important thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, but you know I've been 
like you heard me a minute ago, the, my first cuts I had was 76, you know, with those four with Bob Lumen, produced by Chinese Cash. About a week later, I got a Conway Twitty cut on uh, I'm Already Taken, a song that I had a hit with in 2000. Man. And uh, then I started having hits. You know, I mean, excuse me, I started having cuts by other people. And one of those, I remember one of those cuts that I did with Bob Lumen, I, I remember I pulled into... It was at Tusculum over in Antioch in South Nashville, and I pulled into the parking lot. Summer, real hot day, summer, and a real good-looking girl pulls in right beside me with her windows down, and she's there's a Bob Lumen. My song I wrote is playing on her radio, <laughs> and I wanted I was you talking about a lesson in restraint because I was wanting to go. Hey, I wrote that. I wrote that song, you know, and it was one of my songs that Bob cut. And it was uh, all, I just was, I was quiet. I didn't say a word. So, and uh, she was hot. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, speaking of speaking of hot women, I made a connection uh, with one of your songs that I knew as a kid, but it just didn't, I didn't understand it all until I'm doing research for this interview and listening to it again. Let's talk for a second about Linda, uh, because. Oh, yeah. So I didn't understand. Well, that song. That song was written by Pat McLaughlin and uh, Bill LeBounty, yeah. who I would later go on to write a lot with Bill LeBounty. After that song, I started writing with him a lot. We had a lot of hits of mine that we wrote. He wrote The Weeknd also, yeah, him and right. his wife, Becky Foster. But And then I wrote I Got Dreams with him, and we wrote a lot together. But Linda, he and Pat McLaughlin wrote that. But I always thought they probably wrote it about Linda Carter. That, yeah, that's and, what we were uh, talking Wonder about. Wonder Woman. Yeah, there's uh, because I, that, that just, last verse talks about you know I'll be your Spider Man. You can be my Wonder Woman, and I'll be your Spider Man. Yeah, you know, so, so that, that never clicked <laughs> which was really until... cool. But I love that track. Tony Brown produced that, and man, that was a rocking track for the for that time frame. You know the the tracks were when we I remember us saying like, oh my god, are we going too far? These drums are like huge, and now <laughs> you hear it and you go, oh my god, I can't believe we thought that. You know, but, right. Yeah, but uh, I love that record. Tony Brown is just a fantastic producer, and lucky to have been with him. Yeah, uh, you know a- another song of yours uh, that I didn't realize was yours until I'm researching, and then I go, "Of course, that Steve's voice would be the theme song for Who's the Boss." Yeah. I didn't realize that as a kid, <laughs> but you sang the theme song for Who's the Boss. That's awesome. I did, man, and, and you know that show had been out for a couple of years. I don't, I may be off a little on my time frame, but it's been a, it's been out for a couple of years. And I got a call speaking of Tony Brown. I got a call from Tony Brown, my producer at MCA. He called and he says, "Are you? Where are you?" I was touring, and I said, "I'm in Arizona." And he goes, "Oh, what are you? Where are you headed? West or east?" And I go, "I'm going. We're still going to. I'm going out to California uh, from here." And I went and making my way out there. I'll be, you know, and he goes, I said, I'll be in LA for a few days and blah, 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 and working our way back home. And, and he said, well, I just got a call from Larry Carlton, Larry Carlton, oh, the wow. great jazz player, you know, the incredible guitar player, uh, and producer Larry Carlton. And, uh, he said, he's looking for someone to do a TV themes, a TV theme song. And I go, oh, he said, he said, would you be up for it? And I go, heck yeah. I said, I'll be in L.A. in a couple of days. And so I, he gave me his number, and I called Larry. And Larry said, oh, you're going to be here? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, let me set up this session. He goes, I'm going to cut, we'll cut, uh, we'll cut some stuff, and then I'll take it. He goes, it's for a show called Who's the Boss? And I go, oh, okay. He goes, there's a guy that's done the first couple of years, but they're wanting to change it. They're changing up everything on the show, and they want 
And he goes, we'll just, I'll cut some tracks on you and I'll pitch it to the TV people. He goes, we won't tell them you're a country music star. We'll just tell them, I won't tell them anything. And he goes, because if they hear the word country, they won't, they'll immediately not use it. Mm. But and that's what we did. And he called me, we, I went into his studio. Uh, I think he was in studio 335. They called it out there and he lived in North Hollywood. <clears throat> and I cut at his studio and he called me a few days later and goes, I went into the meeting, played it for him because I didn't mention crap about you're a country artist. He said, I just said, I got this guy and they loved it. And he says, well, you got it. He said, it's where the, you're the new, uh, who's the awesome. boss guy. So, well, well, we, and then it came out and I think, gosh, I think it was, I think I did the theme song for like six years. And then they moved, they changed it back to somebody else the last year, the very last year. I think they went back to somebody else, but it was on, it was on, I think ABC, I believe it is, but for years, you know, and, and now syndication, I see it all the time. And I always know which ones are me. You know, I can, I can <laughs> even if the volume's down, I go, oh, that's me. I, that's my mind. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was really cool. You know, and I, I do it in my shows sometimes and I, I, Oh, cool. I tell people this is my biggest hit. You probably don't even know it. Yeah. And the uh, biggest hit, you don't know that it's me. You know, That's so. great. Well, we want to be respectful of your time. Do you care if we ask you a few more questions? We told Fran we'd try to keep yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. I'm good. Yeah, I'm having fun. You know? Okay, cool. We just don't want to cut. We want to be respectful of the 30 minutes, but we got some stuff. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I got another 10 minutes or so before okay. I got to run, but okay, it's cool. Sounds good. Well, let's uh, since we're going to be focusing on uh, on the song "The Weekend," let's go ahead and get into that a little bit. And I'm going to kind of tie in two questions. Yeah. Um, how, first, how did you get introduced to that song uh, and end up cutting it? And then on a on a larger scale, um, you know, you're obviously you're one of the most respected writers in Nashville, and obviously you can oh man, you can thank you. Write anything that you could need. You know, you could write and put together an album. So when you do decide to record something that is that somebody else has written, is it more likely that you find yourself looking for a particular kind of song or is it that you hear something else and go, man, I need to cut that? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, those are both awesome questions. And I'm glad you brought it up the second one, because I'll do the first one first. The way I found the weekend, that song was written by Bill LeBounty and Becky Foster. That's Bill's wife. She's a really good singer and a, and a tremendous songwriter too, in her own right. And, uh, but, uh, I had a piano player at, with me at the time working for me named Randy Hart. He later went on to be a director of publishing for BMI. I mean, for, excuse me, for a BMG RCA, you know, BMG. And uh, uh, he's a big publisher around town. And now he's a staff guy at the Grand Ole Opry. He plays out there for years. Still a really good friend, but he worked with me for years. Unbelievable piano player. He worked with Roger Miller. He's Roger Miller's band director for years. And uh, but we're on the road, and I've been listening to songs. Tony Brown. Whenever we, whenever we got ready to record back in the day, I, well, I would take a whole week and just spend a week listening to songs all day, taking appointments, going around the publishing houses, and I would just always go with what I thought was the best songs. I was trying to write too. I was writing myself, but I always just went with the best songs I could find. And, and, uh, but anyway, so the week ended, I think we were leaving on a Thursday night going on tour and I got on the bus and we got out of town about an hour down the road. And Randy Hart was a good friend of Bill of Bounties. They were very good friends, still are. And Randy, I, my ears are burning from listening to so many songs all week. And Randy says, Steve, I got a 
song I want to play you. And I go, oh, no, man, no, no, no. I don't want to hear any songs. I'm burnt. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're going to want to hear this. And so he said, it's a brand-new song Bill Bowdy wrote and Becky. And he puts a cassette tape in our deck on the bus, rolling down the road. And the intro starts, and we copied Stayed fairly true to because Bill Abadi is a great keyboard guy, so that intro was very similar to how we kept it uh, yeah. a little bit. And so, as soon as I heard it, and he goes, A couple of days isn't a very long time. And I heard the intro piano, and then I just popped the tape and I go, Oh my God. And as soon as it got to, We had some fun for the weekend, but I'll be in love for the rest of my life. And as soon as I heard that, I just stopped the tape and I said, I told our driver back, uh, he was my driver for years. And this was way before cell phones. And I, I just stopped the tape and said, Beck, find me a payphone. <laughs> <laughs> I said, pull over and find me a payphone. I'm calling Tony Brown and we're putting this song on hold in a ASAP, you know. And so that's what we did. And as soon as I got home, we cut it. And I knew, I knew the minute I heard it that it was just, magic you know something about it and it fit me perfect and i'll say this about that record it's reggie young played some brilliant parts on that and john jarvis played all that beautiful piano emory gordy jr played bass and Haiti bears no wait a minute that was half uh that was uh owen hale played drums owen on played that drums Eddie on bears that, yeah. played on like 90 percent of everything i did but owen hale the great owen hale on that that record was the first thing i ever did it was the first record I ever had that actually, when it started becoming a hit, it not only was a hit in country, it started crossing over into, like, they called it uh, AC radio back yeah. then, adult contemporary. It was, it really got a lot of play. I mean, you could hear it alongside James Taylor. and They were, they wasn't, it got played, first record I had that got played on not country radio. Yeah. And uh, and that, that was unbelievable. And then, and then Small Town Girl came later, and it got the same <laughs> AC attention too. I started getting played uh, on other formats. You know that was huge for me because I'd never done that before. You know you could be sandwiched in between Cat Stevens and James Taylor and Michael Jackson and right. whatever. You know you ride along with them, the Eagles, yeah. you know Jackson Brown or whatever. So that was pretty pretty big in the, in those days. So well, uh, yeah, that record was special and uh, still is. It's still the biggest thing probably I do. It, when I play shows, people start singing that. You know, they'll I can stop and they'll just take over. They that's that's the one that I have to do. You know, the weekend is right. always probably one of the biggest I've ever done. And and uh, you were talking about songs. I think Rob a minute ago you were talking about. Here's my theory on it. And Chad Atkins taught me this. I learned a lot of lessons from Chad. And this is one lesson that I learned way a long time ago, and I stuck with it even after I became what I thought was maybe other people didn't think, but I thought I was a pretty good songwriter. And even when I thought that, I would still go by what Mr. Chet told me, and it's true. He said, always go with your gut on on a song. He said, and I don't care. He said, don't play the game of who published it or who wrote it. He said, if it's the great song, cut it, because the, the great song always wins. And uh, don't play the games on the publishing and stuff because that's a real trap you can get into. And I knew what he meant later on, you know. But And so I've actually argued with the record labels because of another song. I argued once with MCA about a record that I wrote. They were wanting to put out my song, and I was arguing for a, a song that I didn't even write. 
because I really truly thought it was a better song. <laughs> and now everybody goes, "Why are you are you crazy?" If I'm talking about for a single, you know. Right. And I go, "Well, I just think that's a better. I think it'll be a bigger record. I think it's going to be huge." And I couldn't argue because the one that they put out on me that I did write went number one. So I was like, "Well." <laughs> I guess I don't know, but I was fighting for not my song, you know. <laughs> so I always just went with what I thought was the best song. And I may have a lot of songs that I was pitching as well, but I and I was hoping to get cuts, you know, and I did. But, like, for example, Life's Highway, that song had been passed on by two other artists, big artists had heard that and passed. And Tony Brown played it for me, and I just flipped. And I said, oh, my God, I love this. We got to do it. Roger Murray and Richard Lee. And uh, wrote that, and uh, and then Tony said, "Well, two other artists were passed on it." And I go, "I don't care what they think. I'm doing it." <laughs> I always think that a song finds its way home because it'll make its way to the right artist, and I really believe it. And uh, I mean, I got songs that I passed on. That's silly, you know. I passed on "You Needed Me," uh, oh. you know, by Ann Murray. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, and uh, but I just thought that was a girl song, and I still do, and that's why I passed. I passed on uh, "No Stranger to the Rain." You know, I passed on that Keith Whitley song. Really? Okay, and uh, but you know, they passed on "Life's Highway," so you know, somebody <laughs> did. So exactly. Whatever they found it, found it. <laughs> that's home, all. Right. Comes, it all works out, you know. Right. So yeah. Well, Steve, this has been so much fun. We want to be respectful of your time. Uh, we'll tell our listeners go out there and pick up any of the eighteen albums that he's got out there, or <laughs> pop in <laughs> pop in his version of Tennessee Christmas. I don't care who's. Uh, thank you for taking. Oh, you guys! I love it that you know that stuff. It's so great, dude. That's uh, awesome. Or if you want to cry, put in uh, "Holes in the Floor of Heaven" and just yeah. sob, just sob with everybody else. Or <laughs> heck, he mentioned Bob Lumen. Go ahead and pick up uh, "Lonely Women Make Good Lovers" by yeah. Bob Lumen. Oh right? yeah, there you go. <laughs> I learned that from the movie. Uh, from the somebody movie told me once, hey, do that song, Only Women Make Good Mothers. <laughs> only women. <laughs> only women, that's good. <laughs> only, only women make good that's, mothers. That's hilarious. That's funny. Well, hey, I've really enjoyed it, y'all. Thanks so much, man. What? what a fun time. and Hope we can do it again down the line. Can we ask you one quick 15-second question? We ask everybody. You're, you're Absolutely. On, you got it. You're on tour either playing with a group, doing solo stuff, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Oh, my gosh. You know what? It'd probably be a Mr. Good Bar. Mr. Good oh, Bar. Uh, I'd probably grab a Mr. Good Bar. If they didn't have a donut that was covered in chocolate, <laughs> I'm going to go with chocolate. So, yeah, that'd probably... My numbered backup would probably be either a Kit Kat or a, or uh, if a, uh, like I say, a donut that's chocolate covered. But man, a Mr. Good Bar is pretty daggum hard to beat. Chocolate and peanuts, and I'll I'll be quiet. No, that's great. <laughs> that's great. You've been awesome. Thank All you respectable so much, choices. Steve. Thank you, guys. Thanks, yeah, yeah, keep me posted when it's going to be out and how I can get to it and all that. So you'll do it. Good deal. Thanks, Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah. Cheers. Bye bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was country music legend Steve Warner. There we go. On the Great Song Podcast. Goodness gracious. What is this? What is life? That we get to talk to these people. I still don't understand every time. It's like a dream that I keep expecting to wake up to. Um, I don't know how we've gotten here. It's amazing. I really don't. From recording our first interview, huddled around one microphone... <laughs> <laughs> with a with a speakerphone. That's right. Uh, because we just were woefully unprepared for the technology uh, end of how to do and it. And hanging up thinking we had just done the coolest thing in the history <laughs> of the world. Five-fiving each other, hugging, dancing around the room, That's right. um, blowing shofars. <laughs> <laughs> just having 
the greatest time. Yeah, uh, but man, it's it's been a it's such a ride and such a thrill every time to get to talk to one of these amazing artists. Um, except no, um, <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. Cut that out. Um, <laughs> all right, but so we're so grateful and we're thankful you guys are along with us on the ride. And uh, we, man, let's do it again. You want to do this again next week? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week with another amazing song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.